0: All right, so today marks uh, Class 4 here, so the interesting thing to keep in mind here is we're 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 kind of beyond the 25% point. We're, uh, you know, three classes into 12 of this, so this will make Class 4. So the fourth character quality we want to talk about that I think foundational and I think this is really important not just for us as guys but really for anybody as far as you know particularly us as well at this stage of life and trying to man up is the subject of decision making and that's obviously something right we're, we're all doing all the time so whether it's small decisions do I take a jelly donut? or an eclair or do I make a major decision to go to this college or that college, or do I go in the military or do I go in the, you know, trade school or whatever decision-making is something that we're always doing all the time. So again, a major component, like we've been talking about of this, you know, idea of trying to build a stable and an inspired course. And as we've been talking about, that's kind of the whole heart behind this is just to do whatever, you know, I can through our conversations and our time together is just, you know, to help you guys as you're kind of at this transitional spot of, you know, progressing into manhood and then your own independence, your own adult lives is to just like building a house, help you build a good solid foundation so that, you know, as much as possible, you can experience the absolute best. And I think a really main component to building a stable inspired course as a man is developing the quality of being able to be a man that can be very wise in your decision making because at this stage of life we all know that there have been times where we probably made some foolish decisions right Um, and dumb decisions and then there have been some times in our lives where probably we can remember where we made good decisions and afterwards it was like man i'm really glad i made that decision that that was the right decision there or, or a good decision there so Again, if we were to kind of define decision-making, decision-making is, is basically coming to like a conclusion or you might say a resolution um, that you reach after consideration. And, and and that's the key thing there, that word consideration. Typically, the difference between making a bad decision and making a good decision or a foolish decision or a wise decision is you actually took in consideration that whole concept of let me consider what I'm going to do here before I do it whether it's just acting impulsively and saying something to somebody or just a decision that you're making about something in general so it's a decision is basically a selection of a course of action among two or more alternatives so you got two options right or left front or back do something or don't do something, say something or don't say something. So you have alternatives in front of you and the decision is coming to that conclusion of you know what's the right alternative to pick from. So the first thing I want to kind of talk about a little bit is kind of the, the idea of the importance and the impact of decisions. And I think that's probably the area that we tend to overlook the most is we probably don't pay enough attention to how important decisions really are and how much impact decisions really make. And that ends up backfiring on us, whether it's, we don't think about how important a bad decision is and the impact of a bad decision, because one bad decision can be life altering, right? I mean, let's just use a theoretical example. One bad decision, somebody chooses, uh, you know, to, to, to drink alcohol and then get behind the wheel of a car, Right right john my friend here's he's a retired police officer he spent 25 years in the atlantic city police department one bad decision you drink and then get behind the wheel that one bad decision right you could alter your whole life right you could get in an accident harm yourself kill somebody and that's just one decision life altering Uh, same way with a good decision you know sometimes you can make one good decision and that one good decision can make your whole absolute life wonderful. You know, uh, 1995, I made one of the best decisions of my life. I married my wife. My life's been fantastic because I made one really good decision and I married the right person. And so one good decision has determined the family life I've had, the marriage experience and all those kind of things. So uh, again, we can't control everything that happens in life. And I'm sure you guys are starting to realize this at that point that like Some things are out of your control. You ever notice how like circumstances happen? Like all of a sudden you get sick. Could you control that you got sick? You just got sick, right? You know, somebody may do something wrong to you or you may get a raw deal on a situation or just some bad situation. You can't always control circumstances. Circumstances in life kind of just, they happen. It's a part of being in this world. We're not in control of everything. We're not God. So circumstances We can't control what happens, but it is absolutely amazing. If you really think about it for a moment, it's absolutely amazing how much we can control in regards to our experiences through the choices that we make. So, right? So Asher can't control what happens in his circumstances, but when the circumstance happens, he then has the power to make a choice how he responds to that or what he does or what he doesn't do. And that's a tremendous amount of power, that his choice can determine what happens even in connection to the circumstance. So the decisions we make are to determine the direction that our life goes. And then the direction that your life goes is ultimately going to determine the destination that you arrive at some point down the road. So always remember that. Let me say that again. Your decision is going to determine the direction that your life goes in. And then the direction your life goes in is going to ultimately determine the destination that you end up at in your life. So, again, this is why decisions are really important because the choices we make lead to outcomes in our circumstances. And they also lead to what you experience internally, because if you're making good or bad choices, that's not going to just affect your consequence, your circumstances of what's happening in your life experience but good and bad choices and you've probably maybe seen this a little bit you make a good choice you feel a peace within you feel a sense of okay i you know I, i'm i'm at peace with that i made a, I made a good choice and i feel good about that when you make a bad decision what do you feel like on the inside terrible <laughs> terrible right i mean you have no peace you're all mm-hmm. agitated and you're you're worried oh i can't believe i did that and and, and so It not only controls your circumstances, but your decisions affect even the way that you feel inside. You can either have peace, who doesn't want peace inside of their life, or you can have inner turmoil and just be upset and and unrest all the time. And God's created us, the Bible says, in his image and his likeness, right? So think of it this way. We know that God's a trinity, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're, you could say, an inferior trinity. We have a, a body physically, we have a soul which is our mind or our will and our emotions and then we have a spirit, which is the eternal part of us where we are able to have a relationship with God and that's the part that's released from your body when you die. So God's a Trinity. We're created in His image and likeness. We're you might say like an inferior, if I could use that description, an inferior Trinity, but we have some of the same character traits that the God who created us does and one of the character traits that God has, is volition or, or will. God has the ability to make choices. He's a determinant God. He can make decisions. And amazing, think about it, God could have made me a robot, right? I mean, honestly, his headache, he probably had a lot less headaches if he would have just made me a robot because then he would have said, I can avoid a lot of dumb things Tony will do if I just make him a robot and I just control him and I pull puppet strings. But God's given us this thing we call free will, which means he allows us to decide. And that's an incredible privilege. It's kind of like a scary thing, but it's also a really wonderful privilege that God gives us the power to make our own decisions and and to be in control and decide what outcomes we want. But with that, he wants us to learn how to be good decision makers. And that only makes sense because he loves us, right? He's He's a good father. So he wants us to learn how to become good decision makers And to make healthy decisions, the way we do that is we want to make decisions, if I could use kind of this as an analogy, he wants us to make good decisions within the blueprint of his will or his word. So God gives us a lot of freedom, right? There are a lot of things where God, he doesn't control us like a robot. He doesn't force us to do this. He lets us choose a lot of things. And that's part of his love because love gives people choice. But God gives us a blueprint, right? The blueprint is the word of God. And so he gives us the word of God and he says, okay, this is a general blueprint. And as long as you stay within that general blueprint, you can decide if you like, you know, blue or orange, or you can decide if you like this or you like, and so he gives us a lot of flexibility, but he just says, but stay within the blueprint of my word and my will. And as long as we stay within that, he gives us a lot of flexibility to make our own decisions, and, and and if I can illustrate for you, I want, and this is something I want you to try and, if nothing else, hold this with you. Always think about decisions like planting seeds, right? If you plant an apple seed, what's going to happen? You're going to You're gonna get it right. Has there ever been a possible time that Josh, if you plant an apple seed, that you can get an orange tree? No. Why? Because. Right. So you cannot plant an apple seed and get an orange or get an orange tree. It, it, it's an impossibility, right? Because seeds always produce according to their kind. So decisions are a lot like planting seeds, right? So every day we're making decisions, little decisions, medium-sized decisions, sometimes major life decisions. But always think about decisions like planting seeds. Now that, that works in two ways because the Bible says whatever you sow, talking about sowing seeds, you reap, and you reap in kind. So if you sow apple seeds, you reap apples and apple trees. You see orange seed, you, vice versa, right? So that verse, you know, be not deceived. The Bible says God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you also shall reap. That's not just to freak us out. In one sense, it's to warn us to say, look, Tony, if you sow bad seeds to the flesh and do sinful things, if you sow bad seeds, you can't pray for crop failure. Now, we've all done that, right? I mean, who, who's made a bad decision? You do something sinful and you sow a bad seed, never. right? <laughs> yeah, not, never you, I'm sure. And, and, and then you go, all right, Lord, I know I sowed that seed, but please make the crop fail, make the crop fail, make the crop fail. And, and you don't want the fruit to come. You don't want the consequence to come after. But it doesn't work because consequences are great teachers. As much as we don't like it, bad consequences are good teachers. They're kind of the circumstances that spank our rear end to get us to say don't make that decision again don't plant that seed again so eating the bad fruit if you would oh this is miserable this rotten fruit eating the bad fruit from a bad seed or a bad decision is to teach us don't don't do that again that that's that's a way of kind of correcting that but it also works in a good way because the bible says don't be deceived Whatever you sow, you also reap that if you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption and misery. But if you sow to the spirit, you you reap life the quality of everlasting life. So as you make good decisions, good fruit comes. So it works both ways in a positive sense. So if you're making bad decisions, the key is stop planting those bad seeds and the bad fruit and the bad harvest field will go away. Start making good decisions and eventually good fruit will start to come. And the Bible says, don't grow weary in well-doing. In due season, you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. So the key is, try not to make bad decisions or stop making bad decisions and be proactive and try and start making better decisions, good decisions. And then the good fruit will come. And that good fruit is to encourage you to, man, life is good when I plant good seeds, right? I mean, I'm planting good seeds and now good things are coming into my life. So always think about decisions in that way. It's kind of like planting seeds, and that's ultimately what ends up happening. So you want to think before you plant a seed, am I going to regret planting this seed? Then I don't want to do it. That's keeping from a bad decision. Or, you know what, it may not be easy to make this decision, but I'm going to make the righteous decision. I'm going to do the right thing that I know is right before God and God would want me to do. And it will be worth it. It may not be worth it in this moment because my friend may mock me or it may not be easy, but I'm going to make the right decision here because eventually it's going to end up being worth it in, in the big picture. So again, decisions you might say as well are kind of like hinges on a door, right? Doors either open or close. You make good decisions, good doors are going to open up. Doors of opportunity. You make bad decisions in life, that's how doors get closed. Does that make sense? So you make good decisions. It opens up doors and freedom and opportunity, and, and you experience good things. When we make bad decisions, we end up having doors close on us, and we lose opportunities, and we find ourselves stuck in drug addiction or stuck in a bad habit <laughs> or stuck in a life pattern that's not good because you made a bad decision and a door closed on us, right? So l- let's talk for a few minutes about kind of just generally – What are some healthy ways? John, can you actually crack that window a little bit? It it gets like boiling in this room here. Um, Just to let some cool air in. What are some good ways to make some some healthy decisions? And I I put some verses on your handout there. Can somebody read the the first verse I put down there, Proverbs 16.3? Read that out loud, nice and loud. Is it on there? Yeah. Yeah, your works, O Lord, and your thoughts will be established. Right. So commit your works to the Lord. So whatever you're doing, you know, just commit everything that you're doing to the Lord and notice that word. And I I try to put it in parentheses purposely and your thoughts will be established. So again, whether I'm making a decision to work on this or whether I'm trying to work on that or whatever it is that you're putting your hand to, to do, you commit it to the Lord, Lord, I I, want to do what's right before you. I'm trying to do the right thing here. And he says if we commit our works and commit ourselves to the Lord, notice he says our thoughts, that's your thinking, will be established. God will bless and give favor to your thoughts. So numero uno, right out of the gate there, the difference is, is are you committing your way and your works to the Lord or are you not? If you are, God promises, I'll help your thoughts be right. I'll help you think right. And I need that because I don't always think right. My natural tendency sometimes is to think wrong, but God gives us a great promise here. So, so let me just kind of go through a couple of practical things that I just jotted down that hopefully help in regards to, okay, I, I want to make good decisions. What, what are some ways I can try and work on making better decisions? What are some tools in the toolbox? Because you're, you're already making decisions at this stage of life. You're getting ready to transition now into your, into your adult stage of life where you become independent and not making your own choices apart from your parents in greater ways. And you guys are men, right? And as men, as we've talked about, you're leaders. So if there's anybody that needs to be good decision makers, it's us because you're going to be leaders with your wives someday leaders with your children someday god's going to use you as leaders in your church and your community so we want to be good decision makers leaders need to be good decision makers so so let me give you some tools in your toolbox here's some some suggested ideas how to make some good and healthy decisions the first thing is this is filter everything through the truth of god's word right so Always be asking yourself, okay, does my thinking align with the principles in God's Word? What I'm thinking about making in this decision, does that align with what God's Word says? Is it something that's approved in Scripture or is it something that's forbidden in Scripture? Because if it's something forbidden in Scripture, instantaneous, I know that's a bad decision because Scripture says that's wrong, so that'd be a really bad decision to do that. If it aligns with Scripture... God's given us a lot of freedom. I could say, okay, this is, may not be specifically spelled out in the Bible, but I know the principles of God's word, and God's word says that these things, so this is probably a right decision because it kind of lines up with the boundaries and the principles of God's word, and, and so I can know it's going to please God. Now, there's only one way that you're going to be able to align your thinking and your decision-making with God's word, and that's going to come How? What's the only way you can align your decision-making with God's Word? Awesome. Talk to God, but, but more than that. If you're going to align your decision-making with the truths in this book of God's Word, what's necessary? You have to know what? What do you, what do you have to know? What decisions to make? Not what decisions to make. <laughs> I'm trying to align... Let's put it this way. I'm trying to fix this car, right? Right? And I got a manual for the car and I'm trying to fix the car the way the owner said you're supposed to fix the car according so to follow the, the manual, follow, follow, right? Follow. You've got, you got to know the word of God, <laughs> right? You got to know the word of God. If you're going to align yourself with the word of God. So if you don't know the word of God, are you going to know how to align your decisions with the word of God? No. Right? So it's important to know God's word. The more, you know, God's word, hide it in your heart and become familiar with God's word, you're going to be a better decision maker. The more you know the word of God, the better decision maker you're going to become. The second thing, and Asher, you already said this, is talk to him, right? Just like you talk to to, to a friend, talk to somebody else you trust, pray and sincerely ask God for, for his will and direction, for open and closed doors. Lord, if this is the wrong decision, slam the door in my face, You know, do something to close the door or, Lord, if it's the right decision, open the door. Again, God's a loving father. And, you know, I have three daughters. If one of my daughters ever came to me in their life and they're all, you know, at adult age now and they said, Dad, do you think I should do this? I would never say to them, you know what? I really want to see you fall flat on your face. Mm -hmm. I just, I really want to see you getting yourself in a lot of trouble. I would never give them wrong guidance, right? If they ask my guidance, I want to give them guidance. And the Bible says that if we ask of the Lord, he'll give us wisdom. So again, this may sound like overly simplistic, but sincerely ask God before you make that decision, ask God and wait and take the time to see what God shows you and, and let God give you confirmation. Like, well, okay, I can tell I asked God and now maybe this happened. And that seems like that's kind of confirming that maybe this is the right thing to do because now something else came up. That's kind of like indicating that this is probably the right decision. Cause I prayed and I waited and now God opened a door or somebody else suggested the same thing. And God kind of confirms things in that way. A third thing, don't be afraid. And this is a big area that I think is a very tough thing when we're younger as men And honestly, I think it's an area that as men, a lot of times we struggle with because we're all prideful. And that's, this is ask people's advice, ask counsel. If there's anything I wish somebody would have told me earlier on in my life when I was younger is don't be so stinking arrogant and think that somehow it's weakness or you just know it all, or you know everything, because I can tell you this, right? I'm, I'm pushing towards the range of 50 years old and I know a lot less now than I did when I was your age, if that makes sense. The older I get, the more I realize I don't know that there's a lot I still need to learn and that it's very helpful to ask counsel and listen to the input of others. I put a couple Bible verses there to kind of reinforce that. Look how many times Proverbs mentions this let me just read through i mean just listen Have the same theme here proverbs eleven fourteen 14 in your handout where there is no counsel people what fall right but safety protection is found in a multitude of counselors getting counsel from a few different people and listening to their thoughts and their input before you decide things proverbs 12 15 the way of a fool is right in his own eyes oh i see what i'm doing i know what i'm doing he says that's the way of a fool, but he who heeds counsel listens to other people's advice is wise. The wise man listens to people's counsel, the fool just does what looks best to himself. Proverbs 13:10. With the well-advised is wisdom. That's one of my favorite ones. Be somebody who's well-advised. Find people in your life that you know you trust. Maybe it's a, you know, a brother in the Lord, maybe it's your pastor, maybe it's just an older you know, Christian man that, you know, that you say, you know, I really respect that guy. And he seems like that he knows the Lord and that he, you know, and and so, hey, I just, can you give me a little bit of, I'm just thinking about this. what, What do you think about this? It's your decision ultimately. And always remember that the decision is yours, but to make a good decision, why not listen to one or two people's ideas and say, okay, you know, Thanks, I wasn't thinking of it from that way. And you get a different perspective or sometimes it just reinforces and then all of a sudden, you know, Asher's thinking, I'm going to do this. And then him and I have a conversation and I say some of the same things he's thinking. Maybe then he says, you know what? I was, I was on there because he just said the same things that I was thinking. So I think this is the right decision. So with the well-advised, the Bible says, is wisdom. He says, plans fail, Proverbs fifteen twenty two for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, plans succeed. Listen to counsel and receive instruction so that you may be wise in your latter days. So seek counsel and you'll spare yourself a lot of headaches, guys, a lot of headaches. Utilize the people God's put in your life. I know it's tough when we're growing up. I remember being at that age, you know, there's that tough dynamic as as you're maturing and becoming a man, it becomes a little bit more awkward. You know, it's not like your parents are changing your diapers anymore that you're, you're kind of at a different phase of life. You're trying to figure out your adult independence But by the same token, don't ever forget, God doesn't make mistakes, and God gave you the parents and the guardians that he gave to you, and that was his choice, and God doesn't make bad decisions. So to some degree, value that they love you, they know you probably better than anyone else, and take their input once in a while. Again, choices may still be yours as an adult, but just take people's input. Your pastor, people that you know that you trust, and again, don't get bad counsel from people that are knuckleheads. <laughs> get good counsel from people that you trust and that you respect. You know, ask yourself: this choice I'm going to make, does somebody that I really respect support this decision? And say, yeah, I support that. I think that's a good decision. Or maybe sometimes I ask somebody. You know, let's say you know, John's a very good friend of mine. I, you know, John, I, th- I think I'm going to make this decision, and if he says to me you know, I don't know about that, Tony. I just, that may not be a, then all of a sudden I'm going to second think that because, you know, he's somebody I love and respect and trust as a comrade and a brother and a Lord. And if he's kind of saying to me, I don't know, man, I just something, then I'm going to rethink that. So pay attention to that. You know, do they support your idea or maybe are they kind of making you feel cautious about it? Again, this idea of another thing, collect info and information to make a well-informed decision. If you've got to make a big decision, do a little bit of research, whatever that means, before you make that decision. Proverbs 14, 15. Somebody read that one out loud there. I got that one in your notes there. Proverbs 14, 15. Right. Only simpletons believe everything they're told. Let me to illustrate that perfectly. Only simpletons believe everything they read on Google. <laughs> Right? Somebody tell you, well, let me find out a little bit about this. You know, we Google something, we go on the internet. Is everything accurate on the internet? No. Right? So only simpletons believe everything they're told. Don't just believe everything people tell you. Do your own research. Consider well your steps. Make sure you got the facts on things. Consider the outcome. Think about consequences. Here's another thing. Beware of rushed and hasty decisions. You guys know what I mean when I say that. What what, what I mean, Josh, you, your challenge. What's a rushed or a hasty decision? What would be bad about that? Like uh, you were not in the right mind to think and assess um, if this really is uh, a good choice. You're not weighing the options, and a lot of the times it's like, um, what was it? It's like you have to make that decision like right now, sometimes, uh, and you just don't have. The time to reach out to someone. Is, it, is this a good decision? No, you just it right there. Right. So, 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 look at the two verses I put kind of next because their connection to that point there. Proverbs fourteen twenty nine. He who's impulsive exalts what folly. folly. Impulsive, impulsive decisions are bad decisions. Be careful. Uh, I'm going I'm to say it this way, and I've said this so many times with people in counseling. And, and let me s- leave it for you in this way. You don't want to react, you want to respond. You, that makes sense? Impulsive decisions are when you react. Somebody says something to you, somebody does something, and we're guys, you know, in, in anger, you react. In You know, you don't want to react, that's impulsive. You want to respond. Okay, something happened, but I don't want to be impulsive here. What's the right way to respond rather than just... Reacting. Proverbs eighteen thirteen says, "He who answers a matter before he hears it, it's a folly and a shame to him." Th- that is so valuable as well. As you're interacting with people, answering a matter before you hear it, you're gonna make mistakes. And, and here's how how we do this: as guys, girls love to do this, right? You ever been a difference between guys and girls? We you, you can have a women's. I, we have a women's event at church. It is constant chatter. We just had a women's tea at our church. There's 67 women sitting around tables. It is constant chat. Just they talk, talk, talk. They love to talk. They're very social. I can have a men's event. I put food out. All you hear is a few grunts, and every once in a while, two and three guys talk because men just aren't talkers as much, right? But because of that, that can become a weakness for us. So the Bible says... If you answer a matter before you take time to listen to somebody, you're probably going to make a mistake. So take time to listen to people. When you have an issue and a challenge, be mature enough and wise enough to say, you know what, can you actually explain to me? Let me take the time to listen to you and give somebody the benefit of the doubt and actually listen to them a little bit before you just jump to answering or making a conclusion and you avoid making a lot of mistakes. So it, it's valuable to take that time and not be hasty. Another thing I would say is this, is learn how as a guy to regulate your emotions. Because when you're angry or you're fearful or you've you know, you got strong longings going on, sometimes our decisions and emotions and desires when they're elevated aren't just impulsive, but they end up being wrong, right? So, so when you, you can tell your emotions are real high that's usually not a good time to make a decision. If your emotions are at peak level because of something or you got a real strong craving to do something or you're real angry, don't make decisions in that moment. You ever heard the whole ad like, you know, sleep on it? You know, that's the idea there. Don't let your emotions drive you in making your decisions. Asher said this a couple weeks ago, and I'll still remember in regards to about learning from past decisions. I forget how we got to that subject one time, but you were talking about like, like that's so huge, right? So when you can learn from past decisions, the good decisions you made, remember history, make the good decisions again. If you made a dumb decision in the past, don't repeat history. So learn from your past decisions, remember those kind of things that will help you to make present decisions. Another thing I would say is this, beware of your your personality and your character traits. Some people and some men are a lot more, uh, term gonna use? Aggressive, risky. They're adrenaline junkies, right? I don't know if any of you guys are adrenaline. They just, they, somebody, hey, want to jump off a roof? I'll do it. I'll go first, right? Some people are like, they're just, they're more risky. They're risk takers. People who are entrepreneurs in business, they're good risk. They're not afraid to take a risk. Some people are more risky. That's like, that's like me, except like not physical stuff. Like, why do something? That, I, that it's like a 50% chance you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> it's like, say so you go somewhere or like, right. whatever, but that's me. Like, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. We'll send. Yeah, so some people are more risk-taker-oriented. Other people are, they're like super conservative. They're very cautious. They're very careful. And they're like almost like afraid to try anything. Almost like two ends of a spectrum. Both are out of balance, right? Mm-hmm. T- to be too risky... To be too risky, you got to learn how to reel that in like, okay, I just tend to be a person where I'll just try anything and sometimes you got to rein that in real like, okay, I know my personality. Sometimes I got to slow down because I'm just too quick to jump when maybe I should think about jumping. Other people are so conservative because they're always kind of nervous and they're, they don't want to take a chance of something going wrong that they never try anything and that's not good either. You know, you got to get beyond that sometimes and be willing sometimes to be that person that'll take a jump, to be willing to be that person that'll... So you got to know your personality and kind of keep that in check a little bit about and think about, okay, what pleases God, not just what's my natural tendency, and kind of keep that in mind. And and, and the final thing I would say in regards to making ways of making healthy decisions is listen to the guiding influence of the Holy Spirit. If you are a born-again Christian, and only God knows your heart, as we talked about before, you have the spirit of God living inside of you. And if the spirit of the Lord is living inside of you, when you do something wrong, you sense a sense of conviction and unrest. And that's a good thing. Cause then, you know, it's the Holy spirit saying mm, you shouldn't have done that. And you know, you shouldn't have done that by the same token. If you're about to do something wrong and I've been there before too, and you sense the Holy spirit giving you like a reservation saying, don't do that. Don't say that. Tony, I'm just, don't say that. Just don't say that. Don't, you're going to talk about and pay attention to that. Don't transgress your peace. If the Holy spirit is giving you an unrest in your heart and you're saying, I don't even know why I shouldn't do this, but I can just sense inside the Holy spirit's telling me, don't do this. Don't don't blow past the blinking light. If the Holy spirit is telling you, don't do that. Wait and stop. There's a reason why the Holy spirit's cautioning you and don't just blow past that. Now on the same side, Let's say you, you think it's the right thing to do something. Maybe it's a step of faith or you're, you're, you're wanting to move in a direction. And, and I'm going to go and contradict a little bit what I said before. There have been times in my life where the Lord has been leading me to do stuff. I'll give you an analogy. I pastored a church in Pennsylvania for 13 years. And after 13 years of being there, life was comfortable. My kids were in middle school and high school. Life was settled. We had spent 13 years of blood, sweat, and tears there, planting a church, pastoring a church, from a group of people the size of what I'm standing in front of right now, okay? And the Lord was telling me, I want you to turn this church over and I want you to move to South Jersey and start all over brand new and and plant a new church. I had no job. I had no assurance of anything on the other end, but I knew that the Lord was telling me to take this step of obedience, but it was scary. I had a family of five to take care of. We were a one-income family. My wife stood home with her kids. It didn't make a whole lot of logical sense, To do that. And I was having natural, normal human fears about doing that. And I even had people telling me, dude, that's very irresponsible. God could use anybody to plant a church in New Jersey. Why would he tell you to move from Pennsylvania, start all over, sell your house, give up all, you know, why would he, tell that just doesn't make sense. Just let God use somebody else in New Jersey. Maybe you're just having crazy thoughts in your head. But I knew that the Lord was telling me what I was supposed to do. And I had a peace from the Spirit of God inside of me that even though I was a little bit afraid, I had a peace from the Holy Spirit on the inside saying, this is my will. Don't listen to what others are saying. Obey me. Don't obey other people. Don't listen to your fears. Take the step of faith and I'll work things out. And so that works both ways. So we want to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit inside of us, which kind of brings me to... A a, a secondary point here, which is this, is, and I'm going to say it this way, and I have it written down specifically, decision makers need to actually make decisions. Let me say that again. Decision makers, that's what you and what we all are, decision makers have to learn how to actually make decisions. Has anybody ever heard the word decisiveness before? You tell me, give me your definition. What, what do you think the word decisiveness means? Take a stab. It doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. I just want to, I'm going to kind of just briefly explain before we move on. But what does that mean? That, that That's a decisive person. Or he was able to be decisive in that situation. They can make like clear, concise uh, choices. Yeah. yeah. The, the idea of decisiveness is being able to settle an issue. To come to a conclusion. The idea is north or south, you don't stand there forever and say, I don't know. Well, what if I go north? What if I go south? What if I go north? What if I go south? this What if I go north. Being decisive is you pick a direction. Yeah, That's decisiveness. That's called being decisive, and that's what I mean by decision makers need to make decisions. One of the key things to learn how to do as a man, as you're manning up, is men need to ultimately pray, read God's word, seek counsel, do all the right things to make healthy decisions. But then at a certain point, somebody's got to make a decision. You see what I'm saying? You got to be decisive. You got to have enough backbone and courage, even if you might make a wrong decision. I've made my fair share. George sure John's made his fair share. I'm sure you guys made your fair But how else do you learn? To make no decision is a decision. Indecision is is a decision. So decisiveness is being able to, at a certain point, finally make a decision and act upon it and move in a definite direction. And I really, really want to encourage you guys to learn that skill to be decisive because hindrances can lead to us being indecisive. Sometimes we're indecisive and we can't make decisions and we bounce back and forth, bounce back and forth because we're just, we're just being cowardly. We're afraid to make a decision, so we don't make any decision, but that's making a decision anyway. If I make this decision, he might not agree with I make that decision, they may laugh at me. If I make that decision, what if that happens? If I make that decision, you made a decision anyway. You're just sitting there paralyzed. It's called the paralysis of analysis. You're just analyzing it forever, and you're paralyzed. Make a decision. At a certain point, make a decision and act upon it don't over other people. Your goal is to please God, number one, and do the right thing. But ultimately, make that decision. That's so important to being a good decision maker. Sometimes we can just leave things unaddressed, and that's not good. It's important to learn how to come to a conclusion. James chapter 1, I put it in your notes there, says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's the idea. Double minded. It's like having two minds, one saying north, one saying south, one saying yes, one saying no. And we've all done that, right? When you're like, oh, man, I don't know what I don't know what the right decision to make is here. And then we don't make any decision. I'm not saying we should rush our decisions. But at a certain point, you got to make a decision. If the house is on fire, you got to pick the window or the door like you, you got to make a decision. You can't stand there till the house burns down. So learning how to make a decision and act upon it is key because people need people to lead. And if you can't make decisions, you not only can't lead your own life, you're never going to be able to lead other people. So learn how to be decisive. You know, I put a quote in your notes there from – it's actually from a a former British prime minister, Margaret Thatcher, and I thought it was interesting. Standing in the middle of the road is dangerous because you can get hit by oncoming traffic from both directions. (laughs) That makes it. You stand in the middle of the road. I don't know which way to – You can get hit from a car either way at that point. So it's better to pick a lane and try and get to the curb, you know, pick a side and run to a side. And the best advice I could give that is time spent in making proper decisions should be relative to the impact. So uh, the way I would say it is this is if it's a small decision, we need to not overthink things, right? Right. If it's a decision between should I eat a jelly donut or an eclair, you shouldn't be back there for a half hour saying, I I just, oh man, can you pray for me, Asher? I just, this is killing me. I don't know which ones. No, it's it's a donut. It's a small decision. Don't overthink the small decisions and waste time. It's a small decision. Make the decision. If it's a big decision, what do we need to do? The opposite put the brakes on a little bit. That's where we make mistakes. We overthink small decisions way too much and we rush too quick with big decisions. We need to slow down with the big decisions that have big impacts and get counsel and pray and think through things. And we need to speed up on those smaller decisions. A couple of things I put here just for your reference and I want to encourage you again, as far as being in the word of God, some good you know, homework and thought maybe till next time we get together. Some good decision makers in the Bible. There's the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah in the Old Testament is probably one of the greatest examples, I think, if you read through the book of Nehemiah. He is a man and a leader that is an incredible decision maker. If you want to learn how to be a good decision maker and a good leader, read the book of Nehemiah and pay attention to how Nehemiah makes decisions and how he leads. A lot, a lot of great examples in there. In 1 Samuel chapter 14, there's a story of Jonathan and his armor bearer, and he says, hey, why don't we go over there to that garrison fort of the Philistines, just me and you, and we'll sneak away from the rest of the army. And maybe if we go over there, God will deliver that whole Philistine fort to us. Who knows? God doesn't need a whole army. Maybe he can deliver by two people. And, and why don't we go over and give it a try? And, and he says, we'll go over there. And if they say to us, hey, come up here, we'll teach you two knuckleheads a lesson, then we'll know If they're inviting us up there, that's God. And we'll go up there and we'll put a whooping on them. And if they say to us, stay right there, we're going to come down there and teach you a lesson. Then we'll know that's God giving us plenty of time to run as fast as we can before they come down here and kill us. And this wasn't God's will. So notice there, it was a measured step of faith. They made a step and said, let's see if God's in this. If God says, come up there, we'll know that's God. If they say, wait there, we're going to know that's God saying, bad idea, Jonathan, run for the hills. So sometimes it's good, make a decision, but leave yourself kind of a little bit of a safety net to pay attention, make a measured step of faith rather than just launch into something full on. Uh, The story of Martha and Mary, it says that Mary chose the better thing. That is, she weighed out what wasn't just good, but what was best. That was a very important decision. Acts 5.29, read that one because this is great for whenever you make any decision. It's a short verse. Who can read that for me? Acts 5.29. We ought to obey God rather than men. How important is that? Right? We ought to obey God rather than men. That's a great thought for making decisions because people are going to pressure you to do this. They're going to tell you you should do that. But at the end of the day, You need to have enough backbone as a man to say, you know what? I obey God, not people. Because people may try and get you to do something that God doesn't want you to do, but always obey God rather than obeying people. I put the Hebrews and the Matthew reference there. Those are two other references, the times when people make good decisions. Let me talk for a minute about some bad decision making. Joshua chapter 9. The group of people called the Gibeonites from a foreign territory. They come into the land and they try and lie to Joshua and all the Israelites and they say to them, hey, we're from a far country. Look, we got old dirty clothes and moldy bread. Why don't you make a treaty with us? Because God wanted them to conquer all the people in the land when they came in. And they say, look, we got old dirty clothes and moldy bread. What do you think about this? And it says that they looked at their provisions. They looked at the moldy bread and they looked at their old dirty clothes, which was just a trick they were pretending. And then they made a peace treaty with them and they didn't seek the Lord. And there's a very good way as an illustration to make a bad decision. You look at the circumstances and you don't ask God before you make a decision. Sometimes we just look at this looks like a good idea. This seems like a good idea but did you pause and pray about it and ask God, hey, it looks right, but sometimes just because something looks right doesn't mean that it is right. So always be careful. That's a good way to make a, sounds strange, a good way to make a bad decision, but don't just look at circumstances alone. Talk to God and make sure that you check first. Another example of a bad decision was King Saul. And in King Saul's situation, he was told by Samuel the prophet, I want you to wait until I arrive there And I'll make an offering unto the Lord because that was the role of Samuel the prophet, not of Saul the king. But Saul the king waited for a week. And on day seven, he didn't show up and he got impulsive. And the people started saying, he must not be coming. He must not be coming. So Saul, it literally says in our verses here towards the bottom, therefore, I felt compelled and I offered an offering. And Samuel said, you've done foolishly because you've not kept the commandment of the Lord which he commanded you for now. You would have established your kingdom forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. Notice what happens. He made a decision impulsively. He didn't wait. He didn't trust God or trust God's word. He made a snap decision and he lost his entire throne. Remember we talked earlier about a decisions like a hinge. It can close a door. Saul lost his opportunity to be the king because of one bad decision, right? Let me give a, a big life illustration or two here. You can make one bad decision and lose a job. That could be huge. You could make one bad decision and ruin your marriage someday, right? We all know people who've done that. So one bad decision, impulsively and quickly, can be a life changer, so this is why again we don't want to be you know trivial or oh, what's a big decisions are huge and learning how to be a good decision maker is really really important for a lot of the reasons that we talked about because it influences now and it influences your future. I want to leave you with A great verse, and I probably said it before, and you'll probably hear me say it plenty of times because it is one of my two life verses. I've said to you guys before, I got two life verses. My New Testament life verse is Matthew six thirty three. Right? Somebody read it nice and loud. It's in your notes there. It's on the back page, Matthew six thirty three. Go for it, nice and loud, because it's one of my my life verses. It's a favorite one. Right. That verse to me has been a life verse for me. The idea there is Jesus is saying, always make me and my kingdom your top priority. Seek first. The first thing in your life, always make it me and my kingdom and living for my kingdom and doing what is right and righteous. And his that's the principle. Tony, you keep the right priority. Always put your top priority on serving me as your Lord and doing the right and the righteous thing. And then his promise, all these other things in life that we worry about and need. And God knows all those other things he says will be added or given to you in due time. So here's huge for decision-making when you have to make decisions. If you can't remember anything else and all you could do is memorize that one verse And I can't tell you how many times I've been in a situation where I've had to make a decision, and maybe I didn't have a lot of time, and I had to boil it down to this. Okay, which decision here is going to allow me to seek first the kingdom of God and to do what is right before Jesus, and all the other things that I'm worried about? How's this going to work? How's that going to work? God works it out in time. Okay? Okay. So all the things that you need, God knows that you need them. Instead of worrying about trying to do things for yourself, get things for yourself, make things work out. Instead, just say, I'm going to prioritize serving Jesus and doing what's right, and everything else will be added into my life and given into my life in due time. That, came, that became my Bible verse after I became a born-again Christian. That became my Bible verse for finding a wife. It is, is I decided I was going to serve Jesus with all my heart and eventually I wasn't even looking and God just, God gave me a wife in the right time. He added into my life, the, the woman that I was supposed to have. So that Bible verse is a wonderful, wonderful help in regards to so much of the decision-making that we do. So l- let me kind of give you a little before we close out and pray her call to action in regards to this concept of putting this lesson into practice with decision-making. And and, and I want to leave you with this is I want to encourage you to do honest inventory with your heart with where you're at right now at this stage of your senior year in high school in December, where we're at at this point and ask, have you honestly, sincerely, genuinely in your heart made your own decision to live for Jesus? I'm not talking about have you prayed a sinner's prayer To ask Jesus to forgive you because you're scared and you don't want to suffer in hell forever. I'm asking you have you, as an adult young man, made a decision to say, you know what? I am choosing to live for Jesus. I am going to follow Jesus. I love 1 Kings 18 because there he says, How long will you falter between two opinions? If God is God, then serve Him. In other words, Stop bouncing back and forth. Stop one day you're this and next day you're that. Make a decision. Come to a conclusion. Be decisive and say, you know what? I am going to follow Jesus. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. And I want to encourage you. If you've not done that, that is the most important decision that will affect all the rest of your decisions of your life. And that is the most courageous decision that you can make that would make me have more admiration and, and, and respect for you to have courage to say, I don't care what every other kid in this Christian school does. For me, I live for Jesus, and I'm going to live for Jesus. And part of living for Jesus is spending time with Jesus. And so in connection to that, I would say this too. Every day... Make a second decision sometime during your day, morning, lunch, afternoon, evening, take your cell phone, get away from it. Take your computer, get away from it, get away from every human being. And for 15 minutes, whatever, sit somewhere alone and just be with God and just tell God what's going on in your life and talk to him and open his word and just say, God, This is the manual. Please speak to me. Say something to me. And I I want to tell you this. If even between now and two weeks from now, we have our next basic class. If in the next two weeks you sit alone with God for 15 minutes every day and you pray and you talk to God and you just read God's word and let God speak things to you, I'm telling you, you will see good fruit begin to happen in your life. Don't discount it. These are valuable, really good decisions. Can one of you guys close us in prayer?